Giselle, I am so thrilled to have you here today because, um, you know, I, you and I being Filipina, I want to commemorate um, our heritage for Filipino Heritage Month. So um, I, I really wanted you especially because <laughs> I just happened to stumble upon your Instagram and I just, I was just drawn to it because I, I felt like you, um, and there are not many Filipinas or Filipinos like like you and I. Uh, I'm an empath. Mm -hmm. um, you just showed your vulnerability, and I thought that was so special um, because I think you both, you and I both know that we have that stereotypical Filipino in our heads that you know, with our culture, we we don't like to talk about you know our vulnerability. So um, this is why I wanted to have you here today, and. Um, I think it was important for you to share your story, especially. Um, and so please, please uh, do me the honor of of sharing, you know, what Giselle is all about. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I just first would like to say thank you so much for the opportunity. I feel really honored to have any way to collaborate with fellow uh, people who wanted to share important um, ideas to share in the world. Uh, magandang hapon to everybody. Good afternoon, good day. And um, yeah, just a little bit about myself. My name is Giselle uh, General. I am an immigrant to Canada. I came from a small mining village in Benguet, Philippines. So the Ooh. nice, cool city of pines, basically, um, not too far from the Baguio city. And I came to Canada at 16 years old. So that was in 2007 and had been living in Edmonton for the past 15 years. I have a commerce degree from the University of Alberta. And despite that business-like and almost like a law-like training, because my business law is my major, my career has been mostly in the community service um, realm-oriented side of things, such as in nonprofit organizations. And right now, I work in government. And here in Edmonton, he's downstairs. I live with my husband. My little brother also lives in the city, which is wonderful. And uh, wow. I do a lot of volunteering in my spare time. And I also do art, such as writing and mixed media art. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, I noticed one of your latest posts, you had uh, uh, shaved your head. And tell me about that initiative. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's one of those uh, blessings in disguise as a phrase that we like to use a lot. There's a really funny backstory about my my journey because this is not the first time I did this. I've been doing this a lot. Um, oh, wow. Back in 2009, uh, my first Canadian boyfriend and I broke up. I was 17 at the time and I was grumpy. I'm like, I want a makeover. <laughs> You know, it's one of those things, right, that yeah. um, young ladies um, seem to want to do to, yeah. to deal with a broken heart. I had yeah. very long hair then, and I went to the salon, and I wanted, like, a very drastically short hair, haircut. So they tied my hair in a ponytail, and as they were about to cut it, they asked me, like, five times. I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure? And I'm like, okay. And then after they cut it, and they styled my hair into this, like, punk pixie haircut style, they said did you know we can donate this for you? And at the time, I've only been in Canada for a year and a half, two years. So I was shocked. It's one of those yeah. culture shock moments in a good way. So I'm like, oh, you yeah. can donate there? What? So yeah. since then, I've found different organizations to donate my hair. Like, I don't go to the salon for just a makeover. Like, I, I just yeah. naturally grow my hair out. Yeah. 
uh, cut it to donate and over and over and over. So it wow. just, my brother came here to uh, cut my hair two weeks ago, almost wow. calbo, almost bald. So it's yeah. a little bit. And I, this time around, I packaged my hair to Ontario to this organization yeah. called Angel Hair Foundation. Uh, they make okay. affordable wigs for children with medical needs. Oh, that's so special. Wow, that's so good of you. Now, I want to talk about, obviously, um, you know, the things that you posted that were, you know, that were really resonated with me. Um, and mainly, uh, you know, we come to talk about mental health, especially in the Filipino culture, the Asian culture. Um, so I want you to delve you know, into that, especially because I know you're very open about it. So please expand on your, your story in relation to that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This might take a few minutes, so buckle up. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but uh, like, there's different themes um, that I think are important uh, to touch on over here. So we'll mm -hmm. we'll compartmentalize this so that it's yeah. uh, it it it, uh, it makes more sense, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I'm not that very young, but I'm not that very old. But I think I've been around for a couple decades at least. So yeah. I think I have a few things to share. So yeah. I think that the first category or I guess the first focus topic that is really worth mentioning here is just about my my actual family life right so just as, as a child and growing up and that kind of stuff so in the mining village in Felix Mines Benguet Philippines uh, as a child I was living there pretty you know decent uh, rural uh, quiet life with my parents I had an ate older sister and I have an adding old younger mm. brother yeah but during a jeepney trip from Baguio City back to our village, we got into an accident with a, a lot of people died, including my parents and, and sisters. It was it was horrific. It was like it was oh. a big deal for my family. It was a big deal for the village. It uh, it it's definitely a, a significant horrific event. Oh, and I'm there so were sorry. few survivors. Oh, thank you. Oh. Yeah, and this was um, October nineteen ninety nine, oh. and uh, at the time I was eight years old and my brother was four. Oh. So. Yeah, we were we were children, little children, and the youngest survivors of the accident. So it was, uh, it was, it was a big deal, and it, it's really interesting. I'll, I'll touch on this a little bit more at um, um, later on, but uh, it's it's really um, almost like Harry Potter. Almost, it's the analogy that I can think of. You know, like the child who survived, right? It's yeah. the it that that definitely was a very big label that was like, stuck on me in my uh, growing up years. So mm -hmm. it made a big impact with my classmates, my sister's classmates, my relatives, um, having to navigate my new relationship dynamics with them and having to bear the responsibility or the mindset of being a mother, a father, and a sister for my younger brother, while also realizing as time went on, I'm like, I won't get enough of this. I will be not, I will not have enough parenting nurturing care oh that's mm -hmm. unfortunate but it's it's quite heavy for a child to come to mm -hmm. terms with that dealing with competing needs and things like that so specifically on the family life i think what helped a lot is i mean i guess sometimes when it comes to romance things are meant to be my, my husband was really uh, wonderful with connecting mm -hmm. me with his family and being conscientious with learning about how my sometimes unusual maybe weird or annoying habits or mindsets it's really rooted in the different environment i grew up in and right. uh yeah it's it, i don't think i'll 
100% heal from it. I really, the, the older I get, I, the, more, the more I realize it is not really a thing. But yeah. at the same time, not experiencing unhealthy things like the conflict and the passive aggressiveness and the secrets and the drama, like not having that in my life right now, I think it's a, it's a big victory. So that's the first part over there, just on the being an orphan uh, side of things. Um, the next part here that is also worth talking about from like a mental health um, side of things is the, the the abuse I experienced growing up. So particularly in this case, uh, sexual abuse. So long story short, it's a, I, it's not a great thing to experience when you are looking forward to graduating from high school. Um, yeah. Fourth year high school, I was uh, experienced multiple instances of uh, sexual abuse from a cousin over many months. Uh, and mind you, it, I, I think it's better here in Canada, um, but in the Philippines at the time, sex education is very um, insufficient, if not non-existent. Right. So right. on top of the emotional impact, I was terrified of what is potentially going to happen in with, with, with my body internally, right? Like, what am I going to do? Mm. Things like that. There's a lot of anxiety and fear uh, that makes that is making things complicated. On top of that, um, I'm very academically competitive. So I was like, I got to graduate as valedictorian. So there's that pressure. I did manage to pull that off, which is good. But, uh, it's, a, <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And at the same time, I was processing my paperwork to immigrate to Canada. And I have a lot of big feelings about that, right? Imagine a teenager mm -hmm. having just to a degree suffering in silence, pushing myself to perform overperform if needed and then i'm like i will i might be away from my brother again so it's it's mm -hmm. really a big it's a big ball of feelings essentially yeah. and of course that particularly with that um incidents right like that, yeah. that impact that carried a lot in my dating life right it's yeah. hard to be vulnerable emotionally and physically and whatnot towards someone you are interested in but again, going back again to my lovely husband, I got to give him credit during when uh, the first few months and years we started dating because I eventually trusted him enough to share to him what happened because we were about to vacation to the Philippines together. I'm like, oh my God, he needs to know. Otherwise, uh, it will be a problem. Yeah. And when, when I told him everything, I was, of course, emotional and 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 clumsy about it he he comforted me he believed me that's an important part and he's the first person in my life who actually gave me the proper terminology for what happened um so he was like did you know in canada this is called sexual assault that is illegal here i'm like oh so it's there's something about hearing from someone you trust that what happened to you is painful and wrong and it's not your fault so that was a big foundation to the beginning of my healing journey. And then a few years after in the nonprofit where I used to work, my boss, she's really wonderful. Uh, her name's Jennifer. She suggested this organization called Sexual Assault Center of Edmonton. It's a nonprofit in the city that gives free therapy for survivors oh. of sexual abuse, regardless of when it happened. Oh my God, that's awesome to know. Wow. So yes, this was, um, it was, uh, I still remember key dates because it was so significant. Like I applied for them in November, 2016. I got waitlisted for three months. And then since mm -hmm. then I was going through, I was going to therapy for the first time in my life on a regular basis. 
and it Yay. was quite yeah it was quite amazing and transformative i didn't know what to expect um and there's there's some stereotypes you know like you've seen in in tv and whatnot with mm -hmm. a soft couch that the patient sits on and your therapist holding a clipboard writing notes yeah. those things are kind of true like that yeah. was my experience but uh, it's it's like i was sitting on the couch i was not lying on the couch so but it was just really interesting and transformative and that seriously was the positive trajectory that um, helped me heal through the the trauma from that and it helped me feel more educated about mental health like through my appointments with this uh uh, counselor it's mm -hmm. not like mental health is not it's no longer just like buzzwords that are like meaningless or like that are meant for medical medical people or like serious mm -hmm. psychiatric cases like it is very uh relevant to um everyday people which is fantastic and yeah. the last thing i actually want to mention about this which helped on a more like global scale is the the me too movement actually started around that time so oh, hashtag good. me too when people started sharing in in all different levels of detail some people are just like yes me too i've been sexually abused in this mm -hmm. um when i was a child when i was a teenager yeah. so married woman yada yada and that mm -hmm. these stories and some people were like they they literally use it as their therapeutic like let it all out with like a lot of graphic details but mm -hmm. on one hand it quite it's quite depressing and distressing to see but at the same time there is definitely that great comfort even though it's also a bit infuriating that yeah. i can't believe this is so common and so many people have been experiencing this and had experienced it and yeah. because of that too just in general right there's in a recent years there's more discussion now about mental health in workplaces amongst friends and family and and social media so yeah that's a big thing just like naming things you know whether it's sexual assault or counseling or these mm -hmm. different therapy methods or mm -hmm. and, and the different types of trauma and things like that it, it really helped myself and i think everyday people make it real and understandable yeah. Wow, that's so lovely, you know, and that's going to be the segue into our conversation. So um, actually, it was just that, I mean, we were already talking at this point, but I just happened to watch uh, the TFD channel. I'm not very well versed in the Tagalog language, but I can get bits and pieces of what's going on when I watch the TV, right? So yeah. um, on the news, on TFC, they were actually showing... Um, on the news that the government is actually taking action in the Philippines now on mental health, which was so nice to see. That's because, amazing. Right? And I was like, I can't believe this is happening right now because uh, you and I know culturally, you know, there's there's that stereotypical, you know, especially with families, there's a little bit of shame, right? If we start talking about it and, and you know, fear for, you know, being disowned or uh, disrespected, right? And, and, and the mm -hmm. other parts of it too is, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, Filipinos think, okay, well, I have this, maybe it's going to last for a moment, right? Or I can, I can handle it myself. Um, mm -hmm. which, you know, it's important for you and I to, to spread this, this love and this, and this awareness to our, 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 our community, uh, and, and just, and just say, you know what, it's okay to not be okay. And, and, and there's mm -hmm. support, right? Not just in Canada, there's Filipinos all over the world. So let's, let's show the love and let's show the support that you don't need to be scared anymore. You know? So mm -hmm. I want, I want you to, to expand on that and, and give me your thoughts. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I have a different like thoughts and reflections on that um, uh, phenomenon. And and again, as I, I re- I'm really pleased to to hear that there's bigger and more uh, thoughtful discussions about that in in the motherland. That's a really big yeah. first step. Um, yeah. From my perspective and my reflections and observations, I think one of the reasons why talking about mental health is difficult is, as you've mentioned already, right? It seems like a very um, good value to have as persons to be sacrificial and enduring. Like they, there's a glorification of that, that yeah. you are a good person if you are the martyr or yeah. you are wonderful and whatnot if you are... Um, if you are keeping what's hurting you inside and there's a, a a certain degree of religious components to that, right? You know, you're suffering right now and you leave it to God and everything will Mm -hmm. be okay. And I think there's some value in believing that to a degree, but from my perspective, my my opinion, sometimes it leaves people stuck. I think it leaves people to believe that all you have to do is to pray or believe or endure and then that's it, and that there's nothing yeah. else that can be done. And I think that's the that's the component in the mindset that needs that needs a bit of adjustment. Yeah. Um, on top of that, too, I think, um, especially growing up, I maybe things are better now. There is a a difficulty in accessing certain types of help. Help, like right. let's take an example, like healthcare. There's mm. this mindset culturally that only when you're about to die, that's when they have to take you to the hospital. You know, <laughs> like things like that, right? And then you reluctantly uh, spend money on medical care and doctors, but regular checkups, if you are not a middle class or like an upper class person, like, why would you go to the dentist on a regular basis? Like, yeah. I don't have money for that. Yeah. So, so yeah, like dental care is actually a really good, like simple analogy as an example, right? Like, why mm-hmm. would you go for checkups every year? Like, it, yeah. I don't have money for that. But only when things are already so painful and so rotten, that the only solution is to pull out your tooth. That's the only time you go to the dentist. And I think as far as emotional and mental health matters, many people still have that same mindset, which again, hopefully should be um, um, addressed. And I think there's already momentum to that. Um, Regarding um, how I challenge that, it's still uh, definitely a work in progress, but I think it's uh, partially because of my my environment, right? Like uh, Lola, my grandma, whom I mm. lived with after my parents and sister passed away, she taught me many, many, many times uh, important but also heartbreaking kind of mindset, which is mm-hmm. I have to do everything on my own. So a lot of the uh, the perspectives that, you know, um, you can just like leave it to God or um, yeah. you just endure it. Like it it just didn't make practical sense to me. And I'm like, I yeah. have to do something because I'm on my own. Otherwise yeah. I'll be more screwed. <laughs> um, so that's, uh, I think one part of it, at least from my personal perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think eventually, and my therapist during, uh, at, at my time at the sexual assault center also helped. Um, and a big mindset shift for me is how I, changed my mentality about like mental health and, and emotional support, I aligned it into like person physical illness as well. You know, if you think about mm-hmm. it, if you have a tummy ache, you take diatabs or yeah. peptobismol or whatever. Yeah. And if it's really, really hurting and you suspect it might be like appendicitis, you go to mm-hmm. the doctor. So, you know, and same thing, let's say, um, I, I, I wrote this in a blog when I was a lot younger, more than five years ago. You know, if you're if your kneecap got broken and it started healing, that's good. 
but and you just start like using it for walking or whatever. But once you start using it again for more extreme reasons, like running a marathon, and it hurts, it literally debilitates you and prevents you from walking. So right. go to the doctor and get it checked because there might be like a little thing in there that needs like really intense fixing up surgery, mm-hmm. and then you'll be able to walk again. So that's that analogy is actually what I used with my brother um, when uh, mm-hmm. when I told him because there's this assumption that the so, you know, mental health supports are only for the bagtit, at least that's the Ilocano word for crazy. Uh, you know, like for people yeah. with like all the serious, serious like mental health issues. And then that's the analogy I told him. Mm-hmm. But it was, you know, that program. I went there on for um, appointments on a regular basis for seven months. And if I calculated the total dollar value of that, uh, th- th- those services, it's $4,000. It's money I didn't have at the time, so I was really, really lucky that I managed to get access to this. And um, and, but yeah, they're free. I'm sure my therapist was not Filipino, but she's like a fellow, um, like Latina lady, like an immigrant lady with an accent. And I think that also helped me relax and and accept some of her her advice and and things Mm -hmm. like that. So it was less intimidating. But I think that really helped with breaking free from this mindset and eventually feeling more comfortable uh, sharing about it. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm just so thrilled that you're accessing these services and supports, and and again, just being so vulnerable. You know, being a Filipina, it's just I think you're amazing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So you you did mention your blog. So now I want to go into you know um, the work that you're doing. You know, in in, in in with your blog. You know, I know you're an author too, and uh, you're you're doing a lot for nonprofits. So please expand on all of that. Yeah, absolutely, and I really appreciate the opportunity to do this. I'd like to plug a little thing, a few things about the things I've been doing, and a few things also um, worth considering for our Filipino community in Edmonton, in particular. Oh my gosh, there's a lot of things to be involved in, and I really hope more people know about it. So I'll uh, list yeah. them all out for for oh, our audience you. here. Yes, please. Yeah. So the first thing I'd like to mention, as I mentioned, as I said earlier, I do volunteer and I do write. So we have a local ethnic paper here called. Alberta Filipino Journal. So you can read it online. They have a Facebook and Instagram account, or you can go to your local Filipino store in Edmonton and a lot of the major cities too, like Grand Prairie, Red Deer, um, ah. Calgary. There's a few Filipino stores that ish- that uh, they have like a little newspaper stand, very old school, but so fantastic. And the paper <laughs> is free. So get your oh, Filipino nice. products and services and then get the paper on your way out because it's it's available. And Yay. of course, you can, uh, yeah, and, and you can contribute as well. I'm a columnist there. I write, write two um, articles. Oh. So yeah, and it's, it's, it's really wonderful, I believe. So that's the first thing I like to share. The second one that I, it's again, very community oriented, but we need more support. Here in Edmonton, there is a local park in the city that they're trying to rename in honor of the Filipino community. Yes, the uh, work in progress, the current uh, name right now. Because they did a the, they did a poll on which name, what name this park would be, but the current winner to date is the Mabuhay Park. Isn't that Ooh, awesome? Yes. So, it, so it's a work in progress, and and it, this is one of those things that we really need like strength in numbers because okay. one of the requirements is 
to have enough like petition signatures um, from many Filipinos in the city. They need 4,000 okay. signatures, which is like 5% of the Filipinos. So okay. um, I'm sure we can share show notes yes. or anything like that afterwards. Yes. But yes, yeah. we need signatures to, yes. so that the organizers can compile them all and then show to the city that there okay. is a worldwide, uh, no, not worldwide, citywide yeah. support from our community. So that's the second thing I want to oh. share. Yeah. Um, on the on the personal projects uh, side of things, yes, um, I have a blog where I share personal stories and reflections. It's called uh, FilipinoYEG.com. So it's, there's yes, a I website. I read some of them. I read some Thank of them. You. They're beautiful. Awesome. Yeah, it's all. It's also on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, I guess a couple more things. Yes, I was a former political candidate. I ran yeah. for city council in 2021, wow. and I got second place. So oh. if any. Yeah, it's 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 overall an, a a good. I was told it was a good performance for a first time candidate who is uh not from a political dynasty. I'm like the opposite <laughs> of that. But uh, yes, if anyone here has political ambitions, whether they want to run or they believe there is someone who should run, but they wanted to help their campaign be access be a success because it is mm. a lot of work. Contact me. I'm happy to okay. share my resources because mm-hmm. there's there's things that I wish I knew the first time or early on that I, I don't want people to be stuck and replicate the mm. wheel. I'm happy to help. Mm. And uh, finally, um, speaking of my writing endeavors, I'm working on my first length book, which is a memoir. Wow. And for people who might not be familiar, a memoir is uh, kind of like a... Um, Auto, almost an autobiography because it talks about the author's life, but presented in a more beautiful literary way, like a novel. So think of it as like a it's a novel style. So it's like a story, a really like a good story that unfolds. But talking, but the person, the author is talking about their personal life. So in my case, um, I'll be talking about my childhood from the day my parents and sister died till the day I landed in Canada. So I'll give more updates on my socials. I have a fellow Filipino helping me with the editing right now. And hopefully it will be published in a few years because I've heard that the the journey takes some time, takes a few years. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think because I'm trying to do it mindfully as possible, I think it'll be worth it. Oh, and I can see a movie in the future, right? (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully, yes. (laughs) Oh my God, Giselle, thank you so much for sharing your, your story with me. And I'm, I have a feeling we're going to be having more talks in the future, you know, because I, all these subjects that you were talking about, we could expand on, on, on one podcast. So, so Absolutely. thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And this is a love letter to, to, to our, uh, to our people, you know, we're here mm-hmm. to support and, and, and we want you to know that it's okay to talk about uh you know Absolutely. whatever's on your mind so yeah, yeah it's, it's you. totally okay to get help you are worth it that's the other thing yes. i want people to take away like you are worth it you are yes. worth the time the expense if you have to yeah. shell out money like please do it because yeah. you're worth it your well-being yeah. deserves it yeah oh and one more question the most okay. important okay what matters to you what matters to you Oh my gosh. I, I think my answer to this has been evolving the older I get. Maybe I'm getting wiser. I don't know. Hopefully. <laughs> but yes. at this point in time, you know, let, let's take that. Let's uh, take it, take a note of that. At this yeah. point in time, what matters to me is being able to fulfill these two part goal that I'm, I carry in my heart. So mm-hmm. the first part of this is to make as much of a positive or meaningful impact 
in all my behaviors and thoughts and, and interactions. So if I can help a little bit, uh, I think that's uh, that's a really important thing to me. But at the same time, I want to make sure that my behavior does not hurt people intentionally or unintentionally. Because I think sometimes that gets forgotten. Mm -hmm. For me, it, while it is important to like give or make something to serve others, it's important that my my words, my consumer choices, my my political activities and stuff like that, that they are not intentionally or accidentally hurting people. Because if you really think about it deeper, there's actually a chance that we end up accidentally doing that. Preventing it yeah. is actually important. So mm -hmm. this is a good foundational principle I try to carry and I, 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 I try my best. Hopefully I get it right a lot of the time. Oh, I'm sure you and I, everyone's a work in progress, right? <laughs> yes, that's right. Oh, thank you so much, Giselle. I really appreciate this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely.